Welcome back to Hair of the Werewolf, a weekly supernatural and horror-themed podcast. I'm Chase, and I'm here with Lily. Hi. In each episode, we attempt to scare each other with research stories from around the world, and admittedly, a few that are out of this world. So take a seat, grab a drink, and join us. What's on the uh, menu tonight, Lily? So tonight, I am having boxing bears. I dip, you dip, we dip-a. Great beer, great beer. I am drinking... Uh, Odell's Rupture IPA, so double Good. IPA for us. And well, actually, since yours is a dip, a triple. It's IPA. a triple IPA day. All right. So cheers. Cheers, everyone. I gotta say, before we do any other talking, I'm actually really excited about my episode tonight. It's a little bit weird, doing things a little bit untraditionally but while i was working on it i was really stoked so i think it's gonna be a good thing i know you kept telling me i was like um this sounds so complicated already but in a good way like because i i can tell that you were trying to tell me without telling me change things too yeah and you're like i had to rewrite it and i'm like okay this is sounding very exciting for me so if it doesn't work at the end of the episode she's gonna tell me it sucks and (laughs) you should also you listeners totally text or email me and tell me if it sucks as well yeah so i can uh so you can go cry. back and just be like, we hate change. Yeah. Change is evil. So before we start, I should mention that last Wednesday, me and Lily went to see the new Jordan Peele movie, Nope. Yep. In theaters. We went to Flick's Brew House. We actually love that theater, even though it means we have to cross the river. And when we went, <laughs> oh man, we were hit on two traffic jams. Oh, so And the bad. alternate route, which was faster, had a car accident that was slowing it down. But it still took us like 45 minutes just to cross the river. Yeah. So, I mean, we also decided this is the time to go like at five, five o'clock when it's just like peak rush hour or whatever. Uh, we also wanted to go on Wednesday because Flix has, I think it's what, $5.25 for all movies. Doesn't matter yeah. if it's a brand new movie or not. Can't beat that, especially because you're already buying beer and food and <laughs> might as well save money somewhere. So Yeah, totally not bringing your own stuff. So don't worry, we're not going to give you any spoilers right now. We're just going to tell you a little bit about Nope. We are going to have an in-depth conversation about it at the end of the episode after all our stories that might have some spoilery material, you know, not spoiler heavy or anything. So if you want to avoid that, don't worry. You can listen to our episode and then we'll tell you when we're going to start talking about Nope again and you can stop it. No worries. But I do think we should at least tell you very quickly what we thought about the movie. Yeah. So how about you first? Well, I mean, just in a very general analysis i really like it i mean i really like his movies in general so that already was going to have a higher caliber of storytelling and horror movie and just effects and like yeah i mean i i i didn't expect anything bad that's for sure and it was not bad it was actually really good there was a lot of um i don't know what the movie terminologies might be but there's a lot of mirroring going on as far as like events that had taken place in different times and uh, the characters that were presented and what that meant. I don't know. It just, it's just a really good, well-made movie, and I liked it. And this is Jordan Peele's third movie, and I can say comfortably that all three of them very much feel like his movies. So if you are a Jordan Peele fan or you are a, a UFO kind of fan, yeah, I highly recommend this movie. I loved it. I thought it was great, and... Yeah, so I give it a big thumbs up. There's a lot more to talk about, but I think the more we talk about it, we kind of give stuff up. And just in case you're worried about that, don't listen to the end of the episode. We'll warn you about it. But otherwise, (laughs) we're going to stop right there, and we're going to go to our stories now, which which I am pretty darn excited about. 
Do you want to go first? I mean, I don't know if that's... No, no, no. I think okay. I should go last. You seem very um, hyped up right now. Okay. Yeah, I only had one note on here that the next movie we have to see is Black Phone. Oh, yeah. I really want to see that. I don't know if we have to see it in theaters. I don't think there's anything like... Spectacularly, visually simulating. Yeah, yeah, there's always the risk at movie theaters that people are going to ruin it around you because there's the people who are kicking your chairs or they can't stop talking or or anything like that. Yeah. So there's always a risk. So I always have to balance, is this movie something you have to see in theaters or not? And I'm not sure that one is. Right. So... Okay, well. So what do you have for me today? So us, today, all of us. yeah, for all of us, I am going to talk about the Clark Air Force Base that is located on Luzon Island in Angeles City. It's considered to be one of the most haunted places in the Philippines. Interesting. Yeah. I've never even heard of it. Okay, me either. <laughs> it just when, kind you of said, when you said Angeles City, I was like, yeah. that can't be Los Angeles. It has to be something else. And it was. So. Right. It definitely was. Yeah. The the only reason why I heard about this is because my page a day calendar <laughs> <laughs> told me about it. So I was really excited. Stories by calendar. Yeah. Stories by calendar. And first and foremost, I'm going to go into the history. It's a pretty important base. I, I just, I wasn't aware is all. I assume it's a U.S. Air Force base. U.S. Air, Air yeah, Force. Okay. Yeah, I kind of had back and forth history, but yeah. So in 1919, the base was established, and it was first, and it was America's first aerodrome west of Hawaii. The airbase continued to grow and was primarily used during World War II. After Pearl Harbor was attacked, there was a delay in their involvement, it sounds like, because the Philippine government was afraid of getting involved and having to japan attack them oh absolutely you know <laughs> they're like i know you're here they're a but lot like... closer to japan <laughs> right and i don't think that's unfounded i'm pretty sure there was a lot of issues there was and so but unfortunately what ended up happening is that they were attacked anyway mm-hmm. and <laughs> <laughs> kind of happens yeah and it was so unfortunate because they were actually loading two so i i don't know the whole thing is unfortunate right war but they were getting ready to attack japan because they were loading a B-17 with a bomb, and then they were a bomb was dropped, so it was like two bombs. Double bomb. <laughs> Double bomb, dude. Like, so crazy. Um, now, after World War II, the base began reconstruction, including plans in building an official hospital. By 1964, there was a budget of $6 million, which with today's inflation would equal to $57 million. The main building is four stories tall, but it also has a basement where I guess there's more than one morgue, but a couple of morgues are down there. Wow, you need a lot of morgues. Yeah, well, there was a lot of death here. So I guess total that makes it like five levels at its tallest. Mm-hmm. But the building does also extend, have like other wings where it's only two-story tall building kind of that's attached. I mean, it's a really big structure. Totally. By 1966, it was on average treating 17,000 patients a month. It was no small potatoes. It was a really big big thing at the time what year was that uh 1966 okay yeah so this was very important uh hospital at the time especially during the vietnam war the base was also housing tent cities for over 2,000 people because of the vietnam war and also orphans people who are like dis uh from vietnam and everything displaced displaced uh, that was the word i was looking for yeah yeah i was gonna say dislocated i was like they're not a joint (laughs) right um okay yeah um now by the 1980s new buildings were being built and the facility increased in size for a while it was america's largest base overseas and urbanized area wow yeah it had a population of over 15,000 people that lived on site 
It had a mall, department stores, a theater, hotel, mini golf, football stadium, softball field, its own broadcasting center, and even a zoo. So this was a massive place that made it very easy for residents to rarely leave. It was kind of like a little mini city, I guess. Yeah. I like all the expat stuff that's in Yeah, Europe, you know? exactly. Little mini Americas, I guess. Very mini Americas. Yep. In 1991, the entire base had to shut down after the volcanic explosion of Mount Pinatubo because it covered 12 inches of ash everywhere. Wow. Since then, looters have completely stripped the hospital and left it in ruins. It seems like there were plans on rebuilding the base and the hospital itself, but... Uh, I guess those plans fell through because the government refused to renew the lease due to unresolved terms. So wait, you're telling me, like, I get that they had to abandon because of the uh, volcano, but I thought the assumption was they come back and clean it up. And so that was when it stopped being used. Right. So it stopped. It stopped. Oh, wow. Yeah. And also, I guess like the volcano one, the volcano one and the government didn't want to renew the U.S. elite. I don't know what was going on at the time. Maybe it was already going to hell. I don't know. I mean, that's a really cool way. Like. When you're telling the history of a place, like, it has been abandoned since the volcano erupted. You're like, ooh. <laughs> I thought Pompeii was the only one who had that. Yeah. But apparently, we have a military base. We have a military base, too. Now, in 2012, the Philippine government agreed to allow the U.S. military to return to Clark Base. But I could not find any more information of any plans or reconstruction, which makes sense because I don't think the government would tell us. I don't know. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm <laughs> not surprised. The only time we're going to hear about it is if there's a tax hike and like it's to build the base. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to go into certain hauntings that are more common that a lot of people experience when they're there. So, so. I have to ask real quick before you jump into those. Yes. So you were talking about how this was like at one point, you know, the biggest air base out there. Does it have one of those monikers, like so many of the things you do, like most haunted place in, enter, location here or something? Yes, I. it is absolutely one of the most haunted places <laughs> in the Philippines. All right, cool, because I don't want to waste my time on like kind of haunted places. It's like, yeah, this place is like got a couple demons, yeah. but the place over there has like 40 demons. So let's go with like... The 40 okay, so one. what would you think is scarier? I mean, I feel like I already know the answer, but 40 real ghosts that like are in a building or two demons somewhere else? <laughs> like, Well, but I have to be where those demons are? Right, yeah. Like, if you have to visit a house or a smaller structure but has two demons or you go to a hospital and it's like 40 ghosts So or you're something. trying to gauge how many <laughs> demons per ghost I am scared I'm, of? I'm trying to find the ratio here. Like, yeah. Um... If we assume that all the very scary things that we know about both demons and ghosts are generally accepted to be true, I am much more terrified of demons. Of the demons, okay. Although I will admit 40 ghosts is quite <laughs> a lot of ghosts. So how many <laughs> demons per ghost would scare you equally? You know what? You're, you probably aren't wrong. I think right around 20 is a balance. So, <laughs> so I would one say, demon, it, yeah, yeah, if 20 ghosts said, per demon. If, if I... The only time I think I would start considering hanging out at a place that has a demon in it over a place with ghosts, I think around 20 is when I'm going to be like, okay, if you start it's, getting over 20, I might just do the one demon. Right. It's just getting a little excessive. And then I just, excessive. I have, you know, the squirt gun with holy water with right. me and, Absolutely. and all that. But yeah. Let's do, let's Ryan Bergara this. No, that's, a, that's assuming it. However, knowing who I am personally, 
I'm a little more wishy-washy on how much about ghosts I believe, mm-hmm. but I am a little bit more believing in things like demonology. So <laughs> it means yeah. in general, I just find demons to be scarier. And it might be because even though I, I consider myself a questioning skeptic, yeah, I do find demons a little bit more compelling. Um, oh, yeah, because they're not, uh, you know, they're creatures that never walked the earth. There's like this whole mythology behind that. And, and everything that comes from them is evil. Where... With ghosts, you kind of get, like, the cool ghost every once in a while. Uh, they don't all well, hurt. Yeah, and a lot of ghosts, sometimes they're echoes or yeah, something or, like this. Right. And, yeah, and I've never heard of a cool demon. So. I know. I mean, and there's a chance of them hanging out with either a demon or a ghost. <laughs> the demon might be the thing from Paranormal Activity that drags me into the basement. The basement. <laughs> and if it's a ghost, it might be Patrick Swayze. We might just have, like, weird pottery sex a dance off yeah it'll be great so (laughs) there's always a better chance there that's true you have a better play the odds better odds of having a good time all right tell me about some of the scary stuff it's believed that there are many unkind spirits that are not welcoming at all in this building all right so much so that looters and homeless people rarely go there anymore so many reports of yeah that came through the government had to take measures and prohibit entry. One of the resident ghosts is an aviator who killed himself on the property. And this is the base, the general base area. Sure. Okay. People have heard swing music playing during the early mornings <laughs> in an area where an old canteen used to be. Nice. Yeah. That's Those a, are the that actually sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I'm like, I'll hang out with you. Sure. Many voices are often heard in the morgue. A common thing is to hear, help me, or... I don't want to die. They seem to be like very commonly heard. From the morgue? This one's from the morgue. Yeah. I think I went like somewhere different. So that would imply (laughs) either the people hearing it aren't quite sure what morgues are and they're picturing this or this wasn't really used as a morgue because people are supposed to already be dead before they're in a morgue. Okay. I know what you were going to say because absolutely. But sometimes like the spirits cling on to the body which is why people think cemeteries are haunted oh, okay, okay things like okay, that that's fair yeah yeah that's fair i was just for a second <laughs> i was like really yeah i was like they didn't really do a morgue really well did they <laughs> they're really bad at it they're like you know why you're here right <laughs> take him to the morgue <laughs> wait what <laughs> wait i'm still talking oh my gosh um in the airstrip people often see apparitions floating around now like we, ghost apparitions ghosts, or ghost sometimes shadowy figures and i think that's because like that's where that bomb had hit um, oh, okay kind of area so they were thinking there were a lot of people who did die but we're not talking orbs right no well not that i know of but i'm sure there's orbs all over the place <laughs> they're everywhere <laughs> everywhere there's dust there's orbs there's there is so now i'm going to talk specifically about the hospital now for obvious reasons people believe that the hospital is more haunted but basically because that would be where the bulk of death might have occurred. Of course. Yeah. Now, in the hospitals, people... Okay, so there were rumors or rather already stories of hauntings in the hospital before it even shut down. Okay. So it was already going on. Yeah. People would hear doors open and close on their own. Uh, people screaming in agony. Babies crying in the old pediatric ward. Seeing... Floating apparitions of wounded soldiers or spirits dressed in all white. Mm. Objects are thrown at people, which is why a lot believe that they're not very nice. Hearing chains being dragged down a hallway. Figures are seen crouched down and peering behind pillars. Many who visit the hospital 
Uh, it's common for them to experience terrible and intense nightmares a week after, for a whole week after. Many believe there are visions or moments from the hospital's terrible past. I mean, that would make sense. That kind of makes sense, yeah. So, so can I have a question? Yes. So you mentioned some of the things that they were hearing, and one uh-huh. of the things they hear is like chains dragging on the ground. Mm. And it kind of made me think that is something you commonly hear in horror movies. Very common. And I want to ask, do you think chains are scary? Because I don't even in the slightest. So I think I would be pretty scared if I heard it disembodied. But and isn't like, it just like because it's a noise as opposed to that specific noise? I think the idea is that there were some sort of restrainment or like torture that might have mm. been associated with that person's death that is now walking around and my guess isn't very happy. So it kind of just like freaks me out in that sense but. I wonder if it's because people have so little real regular experience with chains that their first thought might be restraints but me when I was a kid. <laughs> what you do know, you think? Well, when, when I was a kid, my bike lock for like a decade was a chain. Oh. <laughs> and I, I, I'm it's a- just mo- someone no. looking for their bike? No, and I'm a millennial, so I had a chain wallet like through middle oh, school and high school. sure. And I had my keys on a chain for a few years in college because I had a habit of locking myself <laughs> yeah. at, or locking my keys and things. So I'm very used to chains with stuff because, and I actually would go so far as to say- the sound of chains is almost an ASMR kind of calming thing. I find it the kind right. of ting is kind of nice to me. So whenever <laughs> I see horror movies and they're just like, I'm hearing chains, I'm like, okay. I bet, okay, I see, I, I hear you. But I think when I visualize it, and maybe this is just like how people like see it or I maybe I misinterpreted when they say <laughs> Ghost looking chains. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm not thinking that. I'm thinking those heavy dungeon, like thick, linked sure. chains that they're dragging on the ground because they're on their body like they can't take them off versus they're just swinging it around with their wallet so essentially the ghost from uh christmas carol something like that marley who came to visit scrooge exactly and, okay um, i mean i guess i can see that because he was covered in chains but that was supposed to be like his punishment and that's why they were so heavy and maybe that's what a lot of people think too mm. But that's kind of like the visualization that I get to. Like, I either see old inmate or captured, tortured soul. I I don't know. Maybe mine is more sinister. And that's because I think because of all the Halloween stuff we saw when we were kids. I guess. I mean, I, yeah. think, I see, like, I get the kid thing. I mean, I don't know if the kid thing scares me, but I get why that's scary. Yeah. I'm still having a hard time with the chain <laughs> thing. But okay. I didn't mean to de- digress, but like, this is the first time I think you've ever mentioned chains. I think it might have been. And I was like, all right. Yeah. There's something to talk about here because I'm confused. Right, right. I'll have to look in if they had like a whole bike rack at the hospital and see. So if I want to scare someone like you in the middle of the night, I just need to get a chain and just drag it on the ground and people are like, oh my God. Yeah. Well, if it was at my house, they'd be like, someone's going to kill me with a fucking chain. <laughs> uh... What if chain wallets come back in fashion? <laughs> Please no. Just kidding. <laughs> it's up to you, Zoomers. Bring no. back chain wallets. Don't do it. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Where was I? Um... Okay, so I already said, like, those are the general ones that I was able to find that were very common in many stories. And now I'm going to talk about the witches that many locals believe live there. Okay. That are kind of drawn to the energy and use it in their black magic. These witches are called Mamba Barang, but sometimes also referred as Manku Kulum. Oh, I will never. I love how their like other name is just as hard. They're like, like yeah. no bone has been thrown here. Not at all. I 
That is the one time I will say it <laughs> because I'm just going to refer to them as witches. But in particular, the first one I mentioned is specifically known as a witch that uses insects in their in their craft to harm their victims. So so you mean they're controlling insects or like when they're making like potions and spells they use insects like mashed up. So I thought that second one for at first I thought they used them in their like potion making but no general grossness yeah they actually collect these insects and then they collect something from their victims usually it's hair because it's a lot easier and then they wrap it around the insect and that is how the insect will find its target and then burrow inside their skin (laughs) yeah oh my god that really bothers me (laughs) there's a lot more to it because I do actually, I'm going to put this <laughs> on the list. Do to talk about it? No, I, I, this is as far as I'm going to go. But a lot of people are very scared of going there because they know there could be witches in that area. And I had to talk about what kind of witches they, they believe in, or at least the ones that, they, that might inhabit. Mm. So, yeah, I will probably end up talking about this because I have now put it in the notes on my computer to like revisit and maybe do it as a story in the future. Totally. Yeah. Uh, aside from worrying, obviously, about ghosts and witches and all that great stuff, the government also didn't want anyone entering because the entire place is falling apart by this point. Okay. In particular, like the dangerous. hospital. They don't want liabilities. Or- I mean, they just don't want to find dead bodies. I mean, it just... <laughs> we no, don't need more ghosts, We guys. don't need more ghosts, people. And, and the fact that homeless people aren't going in there, that should be a good warning. <laughs> yeah. Just now, saying. that is the story as to why there might not be as many, but there have been incidents where there were people like hiding out there or teenager, you know what I mean? Like people are just going to want to go see explorers. it. Exactly. But it is now literally just prohibited. So okay. you can't just walk in there because they're like, oh, they don't want me here because of ghosts. No, like they don't want you at all legally because. There are staircases that are falling apart, uh, glass and debris all over the ground, and so much, so much more terrible things. Now, there are rumors as well, well, I call them rumors, that underneath the hospital, there's a dungeon where many unclaimed dead bodies were buried. Mm. There wasn't any concrete evidence that I could find, <laughs> especially since there's a 20-acre cemetery above that was actually used. But the unofficial cemetery is mainly corroborated by security guards that work there. But again, couldn't find a lot of information otherwise. Now, with that said, there was an article that talked about how there was a large storage room where hundreds of dead bodies were stored a long time ago, but have since been cleared. So I'm wondering if people are just getting facts confused. Oh, okay. So it could just be an empty room now. That's just my analysis. I'm not sure. All right. Yeah. So officially, there are 8,600 people buried on the property. But it's estimated that there's 2,100 that are unofficially buried and have been forgotten. Oh, okay. So yeah. That's a significant amount of people for a base. That really is. I agree. So now I'm going to talk about more hauntings. But this is uh, going to be based on shows or, or YouTube videos or things like that that Excellent. I found. So I'm really excited. Now this one is from Ghost Hunters International. <laughs> Your favorite show. <laughs> well, actually, Ghost Hunters is my favorite. Now, Ghost Hunters International, they have a totally different cast, or investigators, whatever you want to so call them. So, a different narrator guy? Uh, well, yeah, it's like a different leader. It's just different people that travel around the world. Is it good, though? Yeah, it was, it was good. I liked it. So, in the episode, the team specifically go to the hospital where they meet Ramon Tilgao, who works at the hospital as a security guard. 
Ramon gave the team a tour and shared his personal stories. Once, Ramon said that he was walking through the morgue when he saw a full-body apparition all dressed in white. Mm. So he actually did see the white-dressed human. Totally. Another time, while he was walking down a hallway on the first floor, he started to feel very cold and really lightheaded. When he turned the corner, he saw someone in a uniform standing in the hallway in front of him. Ramon goes and approaches the guy and notices that he has no face. The guy in the uniform then asks, do you have a cigarette? Wait, how does he ask if he has no face? I don't know. Somewhere voices. (laughs) (laughs) Not knowing what else to do, Ramon hands him a cigarette, and as the ghost reaches for it, Ramon can feel that his hand is getting very icy cold. Ramon then lit the cigarette, and as soon as, t- as soon as the ghost took a puff, he disappeared. This is a very strange interaction, but he Did said- Did no one ask him, how does it take a puff without a face? Yeah, well, he couldn't see it. He said it was like a shadow. Like, it was really uh, dark. Okay. Yeah, uh, but he couldn't make anything out. It was very, very odd. And he said that in the entire time, you know, like I said, he was feeling kind of sick, okay. super cold, and obviously- Super terrified. Just a general ominous experience. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> general, what the F. I'm just seeing this like faceless mannequin just smashing a <laughs> cigarette against its its non-existent mouth. And you're just like, yeah, this is awful. Yeah. It's not going to work, guy. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're going to move on to Jerry Espin- Espinigan, another security guard that was interviewed. And he said that while he was patrolling the morgue, he started to hear babies cry. Uh, He checked every area but saw no one else around. And after that, he was like, I just went immediately to the guard uh, house. I was not going to leave anymore because he really believed that the place was haunted. And I don't know if he, I think he didn't work there anymore when he was interviewed. Oh, okay. Now, Carlo David and Michael Tanola were former custodians at the base. They recounted that on a dark, rainy night, three of them were out cleaning the building. After a while, they noticed that a fourth guy joined the team and started cleaning. Mm. They didn't know who he was and just assumed he was new, but still found the situation very strange because they weren't told that there was going to be a new guy joining them. Sure. Michael noticed that the mysterious guy was turning his head left to right constantly. After a few moments, the other three guys stopped what they were doing to get a closer look at him, and at that very moment, the fourth guy stopped moving as well, almost like he was mimicking their movements. Weird. At this point, the guys were finally able to get a good look at the fourth guy's face Mm. and were shocked to see that a skull was staring right back at them. Before anyone could react, the figure disappeared. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. I like it. I like it. After getting all this information from their guides, the team set up their equipment and began their investigation. And this is what they found. Two investigators, Barry and Rob, saw strange lights moving from the ceiling onto the ground that would then always be followed by footsteps. Meanwhile, two other investigators, Joe and Angela, were another part of the hospital. One of the investigators swore he saw a face peering into one of the old windows, but no longer had glass, so it couldn't have been a reflection. Later, Barry and Dustin were investigating the second floor, Barry suddenly stopped walking and claimed that he saw a face appearing maybe 15 feet away. Now, this would have been before anyone knew that Joe was experiencing the same thing in a different location. Yeah. So these were kind of cool that they were happening at the same time. Like simultaneous, yeah. Yeah. 
The two continued to hear weird noises and decided to follow the sound. The sounds ended up leading them into the basement. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite. They continued to hear some tapping sounds, but also a whooshing sound uh, that sounded like someone would make with a broom. That's what it sounded like to me. Like a sweep? Yeah, like a sweep, but they said whooshing. I don't know. Now, they started to hear footsteps again, which they continued to follow, and ended up leading them outside through a broken wall. That's when Dustin saw someone standing behind a pillar. When they got closer, they couldn't see anyone anymore, but they also mentioned that they felt like the air had lifted Mm -hmm. and like everything got normal again. Another thing they realized was that they were standing in the exact location where many reported seeing a white apparition. So it kind of led them through this entire area and then finally to the place where people say, yeah, that's like the scariest area. That's where it is. Yeah. On the ground floor, Brandy and Angela were doing an EVP session. And almost every time they asked something, they always heard a tap or a knocking in response. Now, with all the EVP findings, because you know how they do it at the end, like, this is what we found. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And it's always just, like, some random groan, and they're like, I just heard him say my name and threaten to kill me. Yeah, 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 exactly. Now, though, one of the EVP findings was screaming, and not going to lie... Did that it actually one sound like screaming. It did. It was really, really creepy, and it was multiple voices too, and it sounded like it it was in agony. You know, mm. while Dustin was offering to leave, he said, um, "I'm going to leave a cigarette for a soldier," and in a deep, clear voice, you hear, "I'll take it." Like clear voice? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I would say clear enough. Like I can hear it. Okay. But it's not like how I said it just now. No professional. Microphones were provided. Yeah, yeah. Now, Rob asked, we understand that you don't want to die, which was immediately responded with a long and pleading voice that said help, which did sound like help. Now, these were the highlights of the investigation. The episode itself is really fun. I do recommend people watching it. I had to pay $1.40 because I don't have the channel that it's streaming on normally. Totally. But anyway, it was. I thought it was worth it. So, I mean, it sounds good, and I do want to see it because it sounds entertaining and everything. But I always, when it comes to these shows, you're always, like, thinking, how much are they doing this to make the show exciting? Like, how much of it's fake? Right. And so, you know, part of me is always very, very doubtful. You know, and you really do hear things, though, with them. Not oh, always, I'm, but... I'm sure they do hear things, but yeah. I'm, I think if they're worried, man, this episode's going to be really dull, we haven't gotten anything, they're like, <laughs> we got to spice this up a little bit. So, you never know. I guess you're right. I know. Now, when I first searched for videos on Clark Air Base on YouTube... One of the videos recommended was of Amy's Crypt. Does that sound familiar? No, I'm just thinking of Amy's Baking Company, where that crazy woman, (laughs) that, like, horrible human being made... No, this person's actually cool. Okay, okay. No, I don't know Amy's Crypt. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I mentioned her a couple of times on the show, but the first time was on episode three, which was a catacombs episode. Paris Catacombs. Oh, wait, no, this is starting to sound familiar. Okay, okay. Yeah. She does a lot of paranormal investigations, and I was definitely happy to see that she went all the way to the Philippines to do this investigation. Uh, so I I was curious, because, you know, I told you that no one's allowed on here. Sure, sure. But I guess what she ended up doing is contacting a security guard, who then worked with her and helped her get a permit. So you can get permits, it sounds like. Totally. But it also doesn't sound like it's easy. So, I don't know. I don't think you and me are ever going to do anything in the near future where we need to get permits. I don't think so. And even if we're in a place that needs a permit, we're just going to like sneakily have a little recording thing in us. We're going to be like, 
Don't tell anyone. We're hunting ghosts. But, you know, we're not ghost hunters. We're, you know, we just like talking about it. But we we listen. Yeah, we listen. (laughs) We do a lot of listening. Yeah, we like it. We like to read about it, okay? (laughs) In the video, you only see Amy most of the time on the camera, or probably only, really. But every once in a while, you do hear the camera guy. So that's just how the setup is in the video. Yeah. Here are her findings. Amy said that as she was walking towards the building, she thought she saw someone wearing a white shirt walking between the pillars in the building. This was right before the investigation started and while she was being escorted by security, so she wasn't able to capture it on film. Totally. It was such a bummer. During a walkthrough at night, her camera picked up a whisper, but it was difficult to understand. She did capture distant voices, which you could hear. Amy went into the morgue to start a spirit box session. Do you remember what that is? Yeah, I know the spirit box. That really loud... Super annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right before she turned on the spirit box, the camera's microphone captured a voice saying, Get out, miss. Which you can can hear. The actual spirit box, though, captured saying, I'm here and help me. So that was cool. Yeah. Both Amy and the camera guy heard footsteps in the hallway, and they quickly got up, went to investigate, and there was no one around. Which, if you saw how deep the hallway was and the time that they looked out you they probably would have seen someone totally you know what i mean during an evp session she she heard a distant sound which was music is what they later deciphered from their microphone but they also heard banging sounds dragging sounds and someone coughing Mm. So that's basically all she really captured, which I do think is very creepy. And as she was walking through, I was like, this is just a scary as hell building. Um, But I'm not going to lie. I absolutely would not go there. And not even just because of the ghosts or they're not friendly and it seems very common. Um, It legit looked like a place I would die in. (laughs) Like, I will fall. I'm not. I'm so, not very... <laughs> so you're telling me we actually found a place you won't visit. Yeah, basically because when... So Amy was the one who really showed you how dilapidated it was. You can tell in like Ghost Hunters International, of course, but you know, as she was really looking at it, you can see that there were just random holes in the floor mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. different stories. There were places that she noticed were severely corroded and she avoided stepping because you can just fall through. Um... So you're telling me the reason you're not going has nothing to do with hauntings. <laughs> this could be a very unhaunted place. And you're still like, I'm not going I'm there. Not going I'm not going there. I'm going to trip and die. I'm going to die. Or I'm going to touch a cockroach because there were so many, she said. <laughs> and I was like, that is not happening. You want demons, not cockroaches. No. All right. Yes. Uh, one cockroach, two demons. That's my ratio. <laughs> That's your ratio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. So that is my story. Those are the the highlights and I think mostly what people really do experience and from what it sounds like, you know, it's almost like every time someone goes investigates, they do capture something, which is very, always a cool thing. But yeah, that's my story. So, Clark Air Force Base, huh? Yep. Man, I can't believe I haven't heard of this. It sounds pretty amazing. I got to see this video. Man, the stories. what the building looks like. Yeah, the stories are really incredible. Um, you know, the, I don't know, I never know how to say it, but the Baton March. The Baton, Baton Death March. Yeah. yeah. They passed by Clark Air Force Base, or, uh, yeah. So that that is something that was part of it, and and not part of it, but, so like, So was Clark this was, Air Force Base captured then? It would have been captured by the Japanese at yeah. some point, yeah. So that's what I meant, where you're like, is it a U.S. Air Force Base? And I'm like, it is, but at one point it was captured, and then they retrieved it, or the U.S. retrieved it, and now 
went to the Philippines and now it seems like it's back. So we, we don't really know. So New Mexico has a bit of a connection to the Bataan Death March. We yeah. had a disproportionately large number of people from New Mexico who were in the Death March. I do know. We even have a memorial and a park named after them in the Knob Hill area. Yeah, and I think in Santa Fe they always have like a yearly march or like a run or something. Because didn't they name a building, a really important building there, like Bataan something? I don't know. They might have. They might have. I thought I, I don't know. I should have looked this up before. <laughs> I didn't. It just, it was such a passing um, phrase during my research with uh, the Clark Air Force Base. But I, I was like, oh, I already know about that. But clearly I don't. So I just need to brush up on it. Well, I've always wanted to go to the Philippines. So yeah. I don't know if we'll go to this building because, you know, if it really is that dangerous. But be interesting to drive by it. I mean, part of me really wants to see what an abandoned mall that was entombed in ash looks like. But Yeah. Now, when I saw it, there were places, like, in particular, I think she said, uh, Amy, that certain areas still look like they had ash to it. Really? But, like, it would have been a place that was already covered again. Like, it, it like, so, like, if, uh, if the ceiling caved and cool. you kind of see a little bit underneath, there's, like, ash or something. Oh, okay, okay. But mostly everything isn't necessarily ash. It's, like, dirt and... And, and what year, again, did the volcano erupt? Uh, that was in 1991. Man, I bet everything's been looted, but I'd really like to see a 1991 era mall that, like, is still preserved. <laughs> no, everything was looted. Like, it was, yeah, a free-for-all. There was, uh, recently it popped up on Reddit, some people, they, like, tore a hole down in a mall that's going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And when they oh, opened the wall, there was a a Wendy's. No, it was a Taco Bell. A Taco Bell. I don't remember, but it was there was something a Taco like Bell that, yeah. wall that had somehow just been sealed in, and no one like knew about it. And it was like this perfect time capsule of an old Taco Bell. And yeah, I was like, so weird. That'd have been so amazing to walk into. How do you just wall in an entire restaurant? I don't. I don't know how. I have no idea how that works. It it has become apparent to me in my experience living in a city, a big city that's had malls closed, destroyed. One's, I mean, we even have Cottonwood. Looks like it's on its way out. It's like, looks like it's dying. Coronado or Cottonwood? Cottonwood. Cor- Coronado is probably going to be the only one that lasts for a while, but oh, Winrock, yeah, yeah. Winrock got closed and destroyed. Uh, I haven't been to Cottonwood in many, I don't even know. The pictures I see, like, so many things are just closed oh, really? in there. Hmm. Uh, and malls are just falling out of favor, though. People don't seem to want them anymore. Yeah. Um, which breaks my heart as someone who going to the mall when I was like 10 was so awesome. Yeah, but we still don't go to it. It's not like we go, we're like, let's go for nostalgia. We still don't go. Well, it's because all the things I want to do in a mall, they don't have anywhere. They don't have arcades anymore. That's true. The food courts aren't very good. Yeah, I guess we do go to like David Buster's and stuff instead, but... Yeah, we just go to the separate building. <laughs> to the other side. All right, well, that was a cool story. I need to see those videos. I want to look them up. I want to, I want to check it out. It's really fun. And, and I think, missing. and especially since you are a huge World War II buff, there's just so oh, much absolutely. history there. And I, I, I was even really just shocked of how important it was. And I had never heard of it. I felt a little ashamed. <laughs> so I'm going to look into this. Yeah. Well, excellent story. Uh, I'm completely out of beer because I was chugging it during that whole story. So... I need to get a beer, but I got my story and some special stuff waiting for you right after the break. So we'll see yeah. you guys in a few minutes. Okay, everyone, we are back, and I am finally going to hear the crazy story that is about to take place. It's not a crazy story. It's just I'm doing <laughs> weird things today. Well, I'm the very weird story that's about to take place. So I'm 100% on a total UFO kick right now. Seeing Nope just really push it into overdrive. Oh, yeah. But I was already there. So get ready for another end of episode encounter. Counter, counter, counter. 
But first. <laughs> oh, God. I have a quiz for you. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I, I understand now. It is only three questions. Okay. If you get the majority wrong, that's okay. two or more wrong. Sure. You have to take a shot. Ooh. But if you get the majority right, I will take the shot. Ah, I see. Which is very lucky because we have like no liquor left in our house. We had just barely any One of this shot. nasty Captain Morgan, the worst oh. liquor ever invented by humans. I was about to say, where's the punishment? But now I, I hear it. And we had enough for a shot. Ugh. And so it's waiting in our beautiful uh, themed hair of the werewolf shot glass. So I'm going to put it right here in the middle of the table. Perfect. To look at it. Perfect. These aren't easy. Ah, oh, shit. These are very well, that, hard. Oh, okay. Well, let's 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 do this. So there's an organization <laughs> called New Fork, which stands for the National UFO Reporting Center. Okay. They've been around since 1974. They have a 24/7 hotline that allows people to call and report any UFOs that they may have seen, and they try as long as it doesn't seem like a bunk call to you know follow up, interview things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, have you ever heard of the website Stacker? Uh, I don't know. No. It's a really big website. They do news stories, I guess, and lots of like media and editorial and stuff like that. They're just a big website. Okay. I am neither saying they're good nor bad, but I did <laughs> use them for this. Okay. Stacker analyzed the data from New Fork's 24-7 hotline and used it to compile a ranking of how many UFO reports came from each state. <laughs> okay. So your first question is, and you have a one in 50 here. Okay. What state had the most UFO reports? Oh, Jesus. Um, If you're really struggling, I can give you some hints. You know, I, uh, well, okay. I just have a feeling it's Arizona, but it could be somewhere. Oh, gosh. It's going to be somewhere that I just did not expect. Let me just tell you, I did not expect this either. Okay. But it's not shocking. But it's not what it's not one that I would have put in the top five. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, but I guess I'm not that shocked. Da, da, da. <laughs> but you're also not that shocked because I guarantee one of us has covered a story from this state when we since we started the show for sure. Okay. So, but we've covered a lot so, of states. I'm yeah. I'm gonna say California. That's wrong. Oh, I figure California's not even in the top ten. Damn. Well, see, that's I didn't think it would be, but you said it. I wouldn't think so, but you didn't think so. So they measured this based on per capita. So it's how many reports per capita is okay. how they decided it. And so this one came to the top at a hundred reports per hundred thousand people. Yeah. Meaning a 0.1% of the state's population has reported a UFO. That's a lot of people. That is. It's Washington state. Ah, sh- Oh my God. I That did pop into my mm-hmm. mind. I was like, oh, the Pacific Northwest, like maybe there but then i was like no that's more bigfoot than anything i don't know but yeah so washington state yeah uh one of the states that neither you nor me have been to right yeah we want to we want to get up there everyone seems to go there and tell us how amazing it is so we gotta (laughs) we gotta get in on that before the end of the world right that is correct now this next one i'm gonna make it easier i like to point out you don't even give multiple choice which is very difficult i want these to be hard we're talking about a shot (laughs) apparently i've been very lenient with you in the past you have been but uh, but this next one i actually am going easy on you because i'm giving you so so the last question you had a one in 50 technically one in 51 because the stacker also listed washington dc but that was number 51 Uh, i wasn't gonna count that this next one is easier 
mm-hmm. with a give and take margin of four, which position was New Mexico uh, in this list? So I'm allowing you to be off by four, either under or over. So that's giving you a nine state range, which is pretty good. Okay. 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 I'm going to say 12. You're within the range. Hey. So you got that right. We're number nine. Okay. I, I was like, it can't be too far. It can't be in the 15, like nowhere past 15 yeah. for sure. And so we're not a, we're not a 10th of percent like Washington. We're 0.079%. So okay. we're just barely less than them. Okay. Uh, we're number nine. So you got it because you had a range of five to 13. Arizona that you mentioned earlier right. was number 10. Oh, I'm gonna really? Give, because I think people are curious, I'm going to give the top 10 here. Number one is Washington, followed by Montana, Alaska, oh, yeah. number three. Whoa. Alaska, what's... I believe. You're way out in the middle of nowhere. They've got a lot of things like Aurora Borealis, you can see. So yeah, I think there's but... a lot more that can go on in the sky. That... But I think, like, because of that reason, they're able to see it, that they're more knowledgeable or, like, expectant. You know, they're like, this is the environment I live in, and I know what what to expect. Like, I'm not, this space isn't, or, you know, the sky no, is I get what you're saying, but there's going to be a lot less light pollution. So even things like shooting stars and meteors are going to be a lot more prevalent. People are a lot more lonely out there. And I don't mean because they're like sad. I mean, the population <laughs> Isolation. is so, yeah, they're yeah, yeah. more isolated, not lonely. Yeah. And so sometimes when you're off in the middle of nowhere by yourself, your mind can wander. You can get a little paranoid. I, I think guess. there's a lot of factors that make that one make sense. Okay. So Alaska was three. Vermont with number four. Oh, Oregon, number five. Yeah, I believe it. New Hampshire, number six. Maine, number seven. Hmm. Idaho, number eight. And then, as I mentioned earlier, New Mexico, nine. Arizona, ten. You'll notice yeah. that every single one of those is in the northern portion yep. of the United States, except for Arizona, New Mexico. And I think it's because of all those things I said it has to do with population density, light pollution, the ability to see other things in the sky, such as, you know, Aurora Borealis and stuff. I just think it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. And there's a lot of people in more rural areas there. And so here's the thing. The reason why I said California isn't because I was like, oh, you know, the light pollution is going to be an issue. And I knew that in particular, obviously in the big cities, but I was banking on the population size mm-hmm. and I was like, well, there's more people and I don't know. I think that is smart. And we do hear of a lot of UFO reports. I, I anticipate yeah. New Mexico to be higher. I thought so, too. Um, because there's just so many things. And Arizona. In fact, I actually anticipated New Mexico and Arizona would be in the top three, and they weren't. But that's just <laughs> reporting. Maybe we're just not reporting crap because we're like, don't tell the government. They don't care. Yeah. Or maybe it's because we're so used to, like, we're like, this is just what happens here. Like, whatever. <laughs> we just deal with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one reports it in Nevada where Area 51 supposed to I be. I was about to just say, I was like, that. Nevada, where are you at? Oh, well. All right. So you have one right, one wrong. This next one decides. And I made this one super easy because it's a true or false. Oh, hey. Okay. So you have a 50% chance. All right. These but, never work out for me, but, but let's I do it. But I do think it's a pretty decent question. Okay. So when <laughs> I went to New Fork's website, and that's actually going to be the subject matter of my story. Oh, perfect. They allow you to look at all the reports for each of the states. So okay. I was busy going through them and everything, and, and it's a little messy. Some of these reports, people report something, and they you can tell they made a mistake with the date. Um, or like one of them is reported to have occurred in four years from now. So that's really (laughs) bullshit. But what if the caller said, I'm calling from the future. Well, I, and then they're like, well, fuck. It wasn't wasn't that at all. Okay. The the guy said he like caught it with his drone 
And I was like, okay, at first when I saw the date, I thought it was 1926. And oh. I looked at it, I was like, 2026. And it was reported last year. And I'm like, what the heck is happening? So anyway, okay. I had to go through a lot of these to kind of find what looked like a legitimate report or not. So only looking at legitimate things. Here is your final question, your okay. true or false. Let's do this. The first report on New Forks database in New Mexico. The first. Yeah, the earliest one for, okay. for the New Forks. Okay, here we go. Here it we wasn't go. the first one reported, but it's the one that was reported to have taken place at the earliest point. Okay. Does it predate Roswell? The Roswell incident. And I will adjust to make it even easier. The Roswell incident was in 1947. Okay, yeah. And it will be a future episode, I promise. I've said it before, and I'm actually thinking about doing it soon. Ah. But I'm just saying, are there any reports before that? Because a lot of people consider Roswell the start of the UFO fear mania oh, right. in the United States. Exactly. So that's why I think this is an interesting question. I'm going to say, does it predate? No. False. You are wrong. Oh, shit. <laughs> no. It is oh, true because really? the earliest report, there's actually like five reports before 1947. Okay. Most of them are from Roswell. Oh, wow. Okay. But there is one. It, was, it wasn't it was reported until very recently, and I'm actually going to talk about this one. Ah. But it was supposed to have taken place in 1944 during World War II. Okay. Before even any of our parents were born in Clovis, New Mexico. Okay. Let's do this. All right. So you got the majority <laughs> wrong. So there's a, there's a uh, sexy you know, little rum shot. Normally, I'd be excited if... If it weren't the captain. I just, I kind of hope we never buy this liquor You know, again. I I was, I think at one point I truly believed I can drink any kind of rum and be like, fuck it, it's rum, it's going to be good. I This is the only rum I've recently discovered I just don't like. It's really, really extra sweet, but it's so sweet. But not you can in a good way. Hiding something really funky in the Exactly. Back. It's like covering yourself in perfume when you know you just worked out and haven't showered in two days. Like, <laughs> or like that's the, what this the is. people spraying the air after they use the bathroom. You're like, ugh. It's, it's like, like that. Uh, this is weird. Captain Morgan tastes like a bathroom that's been sprayed. Like smells. old poo. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. <laughs> we will never be sponsored by Captain Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Holy moly. I totally chased it with my dip up because there's no way I was going to do that raw. All right. Now I totally have a surprise. So I lied to you earlier. <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> so there were, there was actually oh two God. shots left and that I had, is... I had a second shot that I put on the bookshelf and Lily eagle eyed. I should have known she can spot alcohol a mile away. It's like, first of her all, superpower. it's right behind your head. Like I can see it. Like, I know, but I just year. didn't think you'd think about it. It's on a, it's on a shelf filled with other horror themed things. Okay. And it's, it's a, it's a tiki Jason From shot Friday glass. the 13th. Yeah. 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 So here's the thing. I know for a fact that the last time we drank out of that was after brewing, we were out, out in the living room. And so I was like, why is it in here? Are we trying to like decorate this place with shot glasses now? It's because there was exactly two shots left. Perfect. And I decided to myself that if she won and I took the shot, I was going to make her take the other one anyway. <laughs> and then I was going to decide how I felt that if she lost and took the shot, if I was either jealous because she got to have a shot or if I was like going to double the punishment and I'm feeling jealous. So I'm going to oh, take the shot. Oh, hey, yo. So, but she's got to choose Welcome me. So to the I'm suffering. Doing, I'm doing a nasty shot. Okay. I'm actually happy about that. So, so everyone at home, if you're drinking, it means you have to take a shot too. Drink responsibly. <laughs> All right. 
right? So I should have remembered you cannot put alcohol in eye shot of Lily. She will notice it even if she doesn't know there's liquor in it. Look at that shot glass. Where? Three miles down the road, right there. Let's go get it. We must investigate. Like a bloodhound for liquor. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Watch out, guys. Close your cabinets. I'm coming. All right, so now to my stories. And that last story, the reason my format is very different today is I don't actually have like a combined story. I just decided I was going to read you some of the entries from (gasps) this database because I thought thought they were interesting. yeah. So... I've been looking through the data on the New Fork uh, website, reading the reports, and if I'm being honest, many of them just really aren't worth paying attention. Some of them are just absolute That's fair. crap. But some of them are interesting. You know, the, the the bad ones, it tends to be because they're so brief, they're super vague, and it's just like, look, someone could have made this up, they could have made it up. There's just, there's really nothing here to pay much attention to. Okay. It's, it's almost like... I guess if you have uh, 300 reports that are all the same, then it kind of matters, but when it's just on its own, you're like... It's really not worth my time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But some were interesting, and I actually found this one kind of interesting, so I wanted to talk about it. So this allegedly occurred on April 2nd, 1944, probably around 11 in the morning, but it, was, it wasn't it was reported until March of 2005. Okay. So that's a long ways away, and it is reported by the person who saw it. So, so okay. Okay, so they're just saying, like, back blah, 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 I'm ready to talk about it kind of situation. Well, that's it. Or people didn't know they had this ability to report it. Sure. And so it was oh, kind of okay. like the time they found out, oh, I can do it. I should uh, do it. Maybe, like who would listen and then find And maybe some out. people, it's like been bothering them for a while and they figured. There's a lot of reasons. When you read them, you can get a lot of different vibes from it. Okay. A lot of them are recent. And as you can expect, the more current we get, you see a lot more reports. There's a lot more reports in the each year. It, actually, these are broken down by month, but there's a lot more reports per month in the last 10 years than there were in like the 60s. Sure. However, bizarrely enough, and I almost made this a quiz question, but I didn't. June of 1975 and 1976 have massively more views oh. than the entire decade before or after. Most of Whoa. the months have, would have like... 10, 20 views. Was there a particular month or like? It was always that June. Okay. It was always June. It was always, it, it was always June, but it, you know, right in the middle of summer, which we have found statistically more UFO sightings are in the summer. And I assume it's because people are outside more. Exactly. But yeah, the, the most of the months were getting, I don't know, like 20, maybe even up to like 50 views at most, you know, in all the months and years before. And then all of a sudden, 1975, 1976 have like 125 viewings. Weird. And you're like, I wonder what happened. So. I don't know if there was like movies or a radio show or a TV special yeah, and everyone was just paranoid or maybe there was like a really strong meteor shower or maybe the aliens just said 1975 is pretty cool. Let's check it out. This is it. This is don't the time. Know. Yeah. All right. So anyway, this was reported from Clovis in 2005. Claims that the duration of the sighting was a minute 30. Okay. All right. Basic outline was saw UFO 1944 over an airbase in New Mexico, not far from Roswell. Mm-hmm. People who live in New Mexico know that Clovis and Roswell are pretty close, but they're still decently far yeah. away. When they say not very far from Roswell, they don't mean five minutes away. It's, you know. Yeah. So here is how the report was listed. I'm going to read it as it was written. This is the exact thing. So ignore any grammatical or sentence errors because it is doing the verbatim mm-hmm. as opposed to my version. As an aircraft engineer officer at CAAF, three of us watched a bright object about 11 o'clock high. It did not seem to move. It glowed, which over the years puzzled me. Then several years ago, I read that they can emit light. 
The sun was out and it was perfectly clear early summer day. I paid particular attention to the brightness. It closely matched the appearance of several new from the factory B-29s, except for the planes showed the rivets, parts, etc. I wondered how the sun could make it shine as the sun was a lot farther away. I am sure that many hundreds of our people on the base saw it too. We speculated it might be a Jap balloon as we knew some had come over the Pacific Northwest. That evening at mess in the officers club, we talked about it. Some said a P-63 had been sent up to investigate, but that it was just as far away at 30,000 feet as from the ground. Hmm. Also, Jupiter was mentioned. If that was true, I have seen that planet only once in my life. <laughs> yeah. This sighting has troubled me for 61 years now. I have a more detailed write-up in my records. I am a registered professional engineer with over 40 years experience and perfect credentials. Name deleted. Kingwood, Texas, 77339, former rank deleted Air Corps. Oh, wow. So that's the, that's the whole report. There, there were certain things that I found particularly exciting in there. I liked how he said it troubled him for 61 years. Yeah, when an event, I agree. When an event grabs you and you hold on to it that long, it doesn't feel like a frivolous, stupid thing. But see, here's the thing. Every single, you know, sometimes when you do these stories, there are certain things that I just retained for, I'm just going to for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And one of them was how it happened to Carter as well. Do you remember that story you told me about? Yep, yep. And how he held on to it for many years. Yeah. And then he found out the truth. You know, it wasn't an alien, but man, was he like, what was that? I can't exactly. make sense of it. It was such a perfect storm scenario. And I can see this happening now as well, because I wish he would have said something earlier or, or I don't know, because maybe they could have figured it out for him. Yeah. But then again, it could literally just be aliens. And so no, there's no, also absolutely. that. But so what I, th I think he has a lot of interesting things. So he was on the base. They had obviously seen... Planes coming and going pretty regularly. It was a military base, so they might have seen weird stuff if weird tests were happening. Mm -hmm. And he said, at first they thought it could have been B-29, but they normally would see the rivets and everything, and you right. couldn't see that. So he, he was aware of what you could normally see, that it definitely looked different. He even said it reflected the light differently than he would have expected. And so it definitely seemed like, and everyone was talking about it, so the entire airbase was kind of confused. You'd think that if one or two people thought it was weird, but then the rest of the airbase was like, oh, no, that was this, we launched it, mm -hmm. or oh, that was it, or oh, you're just wrong. He wouldn't have thought about this for 61 years. That's true. So I think that there's something compelling and interesting about this. And that's not to say that he didn't try to figure it out. You know, No, not at yeah. all. He says he has a more detailed write-up. I can't find him because the name was deleted. Yeah. I very much like to... To hear what he has to say, but I found this pretty interesting. And the cool thing was, even though he used a derogatory uh, term, the he believed that there was a chance it could have been like a balloon that had come over that the Japanese military might have sent sure. during the time, and that he acknowledged that those had come over. So he, he didn't just say it was a UFO. In fact, he didn't even say it was aliens in his story, but that it troubled him because he didn't know what it was and it didn't match any of the scenarios probably, in his head. And it was just worth at least reporting because then if it was military and be like, this was happening back in my day, like what were they doing? If he believed it was us or if it was mm -hmm. a UFO, it, way more compelling, but at the same time, yep. something worth noting. That's a really cool story. I like it. And it ties into the idea that New Mexico was a UFO hotspot because if we just assume that alien races did exist and they were visiting humanity or maybe they're time traveling humans or something from the future, what would be a very interesting thing to research? Well, where nuclear weapons are being developed mm -hmm. for the first time. These are things that might attract like where people. Where are we? Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. There's 
it, it's one of those things that does make sense if you consider that scenario to be what happened. So sure. there's always that. So I thought this was a particularly good one. But anyway, so that was that was the story that predated Roswell that was on there. <laughs> this other one is also, this one also predates Roswell. This one's really good. I liked this one because it kind of feels like the beginning of a Spielberg movie from like Ooh, the 80s. Love it. It's a little goofy, but it's fun. So this one occurred on December 15th, 1945 at like 2 a.m. Mm. It was reported in 2002. This one took place in Roswell. They claimed the shape they saw was a spherical. It was for about a minute and that there was oh. an aura or haze around the object. This is all stuff that's put at the top of the listing. Okay. So I'm just reading it as you get it. They also wrote as a question, were aliens looking for their dead? Oh, so, right. so here's the story. Yeah. Once again, ignore grammar sentence problems. I'm reading it verbatim. I was laying on my bed and was looking out the window. I saw what I thought was a shooting star. Meteor didn't know the proper name then. I was about 10 years old. Mm. It was moving very slowly, which I thought was unusual. Before I knew it, I realized it was not a meteor, but a sphere, and it was descending above the house across the street. It, oh. Yeah. It was bright, but did not give off a whole lot of light. It moved very slowly and hovered at the porch of our neighbor's house. I ran across the room to wake up my sisters to look at it. When I reached their bed, my older sister was kneeling on her bed and looking out the window. I told her, do you see that? She said, yes, and it took off real fast. I looked to where it was, and it was already gone. Oh, that's awesome. We never told anyone or discussed it. I don't think we even remembered the next day until we were adults, and we talked about it then. I thought I would tell our story before we are both gone, and neither of us is here to tell it and back each other up. Right. Also visited Roswell a few years back, and my brother-in-law told me he had seen a sphere by the cemetery and described it the same as what my sister and I had seen. I told him I had seen a similar object when I was a kid. He was grateful for me telling him that because he thought he was seeing things that were not real. <laughs> yeah. And that's the story. So I think this is interesting because... It sounds like an orb. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing that I found interesting is he said he ran to go see, to see if his sisters could see it, but they were also already awake. So it makes me wonder if there was something that made... Because these are kids, 2 a.m. in like That's the 40s. weird. They're not staying at watching TV or on their phone. Like no, they're they, had a hard, they had a hard day. Yeah, I do think it's pretty interesting that, that they both seem to have saw it. I, I'd say considering that these kids were like 10-ish or so, you know, probably around the age. Yeah. It's really easy to dismiss the story and just be like, oh, it could have been fantasy or misremembering or something. And you know how sometimes kids, their stories can over time corroborate. But they even tried to say in there, they didn't really talk about it until they were adults. Right. And so it, it, that's actually like not even a super weird concept for me. Because like I've noticed that a lot of times with children or, or uh, you know, just my experience, because once I was a child as well, that you don't really talk about things that really bothered you when you were a kid. True. And only because you didn't know how to process them. And you didn't think that talking about it was going to make it better. You were just scared of it. And there's also this, like, con like I don't know how to, well, I don't know what the emotion would be, but, like, this idea that adults just won't believe you because mm -hmm. you're young, you're a kid, and they don't believe you on the stuff that is true half the time, like things that isn't out of the realm, out of this universe. Sure. And to say, I saw UFO, they'd be like, oh, you. <laughs> you know, why would you tell anyone? So this is, I, I always love hearing yeah. these childhood stories about them seeing things because i'm like i'm here for it man i believe you well and we can also say at 1945 years before the huge roswell craze and years before you know most of the ufo craze happened 
it is interesting when people say they saw UFOs at that time mm -hmm. because sure it exists in like pulp magazines and on some radio shows like the original War of the Worlds broadcast and everything, but UFO mania really hadn't taken hold in the US. Right. Yet. Granted, they did report this later, so you could absolutely say that their opinion would have been influenced by all the media they had seen in the years since. Absolutely sure. I totally accept that. But the fact that they claim to have seen this beforehand, you know, years beforehand, is what makes it interesting. And so I do think when they say we're aliens looking for their dead, I'm like, okay, that, that feels like a revisionist concept because yeah. obviously there was nothing about that. But, you know, seeing a UFO descending on your neighbor's house that's so creepy. It's creepy, but then my first thought is, what the hell did my neighbor do? <laughs> if I see a UFO going over one of my neighbors, I'm not going to think, oh, I need to go save him. My first thought, as sinister or awful as this makes me as a human, I'm like, I'm pretty sure my neighbor did something uncool because they're about to get abducted. Yeah. Well, I don't know if aliens really abduct people who did something bad. You're they're right. Not I'm, God. Not, I'm not trying to like victim blame yeah. or anything, but there's a reason they're going for them. Maybe they're just that cool. Maybe they're genetically interesting. Mm. And mm. I'm genetically a disaster. They're like, I'm not going for that guy. <laughs> You're like, that hot mess. No. <laughs> Let's hope the genetic trail ends there. It's like, why would we want to replicate this? <laughs> <laughs> they're like going to a buffet. They're like, not that one. That one yeah. looks old. Looks like it's been here a while. I want the fresh. Do you have any like new chicken nuggets coming out or Do something? Do you have any like, you know, less greasy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why does that mac and cheese look like it's three days old? <laughs> I am three-day-old mac and cheese. Aw, I'd eat it. All right. So the next one I found to be actually quite amusing. So I don't know if it's a good story, but I thought it was quite funny. <laughs> this one took place in 1947, so the same year as Roswell, in uh, June 1st, 1947. It wasn't reported until 2013, but this wasn't in Roswell. This was nowhere near Roswell. This was in Espanola. They claimed that it was seen for five minutes. Aliens what? were seen. <gasps> no. And what? that the UFO was circular shaped. And they so say. So circular like another sphere? Well, or the, like this says saucer, saucer shaped okay. object about 10 feet in diameter. Okay. So it, it, so once again, the story ver verbatim. In 1947, two female school teachers were driving home one early evening when they noticed a circular saucer shaped craft about 10 feet in diameter resting on the ground about 150 feet from the road. Four little people about four feet tall uh -uh. in overalls oh. <laughs> were milling around the strange craft. Oh, the no. two women were totally ignored by them. As the two women drove slowly by, they looked back to see the little people vanish into the craft and zoom out of sight. This event was told to the daughter of one of the school teachers. The daughter, now in her late 80s, told this story, told this writer the story. The writer of this encounter thought it would be of interest to mm. your organization. Thank you. All right. So I'm just going to point out my favorite part about the story, which is the overalls. <laughs> Obviously. So, okay. I get it. Overalls. Why would they do that? But maybe it's just the only descriptor they had. They're like, it looked like okay. overalls. You're, you're definitely taking a more logical approach because mine was aliens trying to blend in. They're like, you know what would blend in in 1947? <laughs> Overalls. <laughs> They're like, all we need is a wicker hat and to put some grass in our mouth. And mm. it's like, boom, we just fit in. Get that wheat. So there's obviously issues here. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> the story was told to a little girl when she was young and now she's retelling in her eighties. Yeah. And it's being told to a writer who's now, uh, you know, 
converting it to a written thing. So there's a game of telephone here. Possibly, You're losing yeah. something with every step, obviously. So, you know, I'd be more interested in hearing the story directly from the teachers. I still can't get out of my head this sight of like two teachers in a car just driving by slowly, just staring and out the corner of the eyes at these like four genuinely. aliens in overalls working on their car. They're like, they'll never suspect I have overalls. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. It was, it was absolutely weird. So what should we say? If the story even is remotely true, it could have been a military vehicle and they could have been the pilots or engineers working on it. And maybe they just were really small. And I know that sounds weird. Let me explain the small thing before. It's just like, what are the chances of four small? I think, what if we consider that the military was building new, developing new experimental craft, but the limits of that technology meant that there was a size, a scale problem. Sure. Now, some things, once they just get too big, like once you get a plane too big, it it kind of- It has to look like a plane. And it can't function anymore. You know, it's, it's like, this is too big. The- aerodynamics isn't enough to give it lift, things like that. So if they have this new technology, this new UFO kind of shaped technology, and it's limited by its size, and they're like, we literally can only have pilots that are so <laughs> right. small they fit in it, that they somehow had like a little group of tiny pilots. Tiny, like the smallest pilots <laughs> they could find. I know this sounds ridiculous, and it is ridiculous, but I'm just trying to think of a scenario <laughs> where there would be four overall humans but working on a little But I'm also wondering, if it's the military, why are they wearing overalls? Ah, because it could totally be like grease monkey outfit. You know, this could be. Yeah, but usually they wear like the jump, like the whole jumpsuit thing. Yeah, they? I I get that, but like like you know the people in the air force. That's and what... to be fair, some some pilot outfits at the time did kind of have an overallish looking quality. Oh, did they? Yeah, and so I'm I'm just saying I'm just trying to think of a scenario that what if this was a small craft and they only had the tiniest pilots they had on staff. Flying because they're the only ones who could fit in. I know this is ridiculous, but just imagine it's the not tiny that pilot battalion. Ridiculous. I mean, there's sports that we currently have that the smaller you are, the better. Yeah, like uh, horse jockeys. Horse stuff jockeys. Like that. Yeah, exactly. So these were UFO jockeys. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm gonna say. So the teeny tiny pilot. It's it's kind of like how back in the day I was very immoral, but they used children to do chimney sweeping. Right. So that's what we're doing. I'm just hoping the the <laughs> military didn't have children flying these planes and having to do. The oh maintenance. no! All we have is two teacher ladies giving the stink eye to four tiny people who had a flat tire. I would also say that there's no reason to not believe. I mean, I know it's of its time, so maybe not. But maybe they were women, and they were like just smaller in stature. True. And they looked strange to other people who wouldn't normally have seen women pilots or True. anything like that. I don't know, I'm just going to throw it out there, you know. Well, and if they're pilots, they might have been wearing headgear that made them look less humanoid. Right. They're you like, that. that's a large head. How many pilots in pilot gear had people seen by the 40s? You know, people in the military yeah. obviously had, but... Well, anyway, so that's... Anyway. Those are the stories that I, at least in, in my brief looking through the reports, found were interesting for New Mexico. I like it. The reports I had the most problems with are the ones that seem to lack a lot of pertinent information, Mm -hmm. and often have incredibly bad spelling and grammar. One report... (laughs) No, but the thing is, like, I get get misspelling, but, like, if they can't even... If it stops even feeling like English, I'm like, you can't even convey your thoughts. But maybe they're bad at English. Or what if... Okay, so is this only, like, a U.S. reporting thing? Or is it, like, a worldwide? Like, you can just submit something anywhere? The reports I found are just for the U.S. states. Okay, 
And of course, you have people who don't speak English. I totally get it. The one I'm about to talk to, though, there's no information to imply ethnicity, race, or anything like that. So I can totally imagine if if it was, but it, it doesn't just end there. Those are problems, but the rest of the description has a lot of issues that aren't a language barrier problem. Okay. Well, I'm ready for it. Let's yeah. do it. One report of an alleged crashed UFO in San Antonio, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. The report was in all caps and lacked any punctuation and even spaces <laughs> were missing. A lot of words uh, were just two words together. Maybe they were very excited. They were yelling. Yeah. They claimed that the metallic object crashed into the ground and buried itself. They oh. were able to accurately assure that the object was 28 feet long, 14 feet high. Very exact. Yet the report kind of also implied that they actually physically went up to the UFO. Like they were able to go up to it. Okay. The structure is detailed strongly with what it's made of, its colors, its exact dimensions, but they don't say anything else. They don't say what their interaction was. Mm -hmm. They don't say, oh, we went and touched it. Oh, we tried to find a door. Oh, we did this. They didn't say anything about noises. They also couldn't say where it was. They said New Mexico, but they couldn't say where, except near San Antonio, New Mexico. So they couldn't say it was 10 miles out. There's no information about that. They also didn't say, so this thing had crash landed and been buried. They didn't say, oh, it disappeared a day later, or we tried to move it, or it flew away. They give none of that information. This report is just very specifically telling us how wide and tall and round and metallic this object was. And I just... I can't handle this report because it gives no information because you ask what, why does it have to be anything? They didn't even see the crash. They just said they found this bird thing. It could have been anything at that point. They just said this is how tall and wide it was. Not that we touched it. Not that we stayed for a while. Nothing. There's no information. It's just, I don't even think it should have been put on the site. I think it should have been deleted because there's nothing there. But you gotta, they're just archiving everything. You know, you also didn't have to read it, I guess, uh, if you want to go down that road. But anyone who might know who Chase is, I just want to say how excited you got there for a second because, like, your arms were waving. You had your little burrowed, like, frowned uh, face. Like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever read. I love it. I actually, okay, so here's the thing. When I find reports like this that are so lacking in information, I just want to, (laughs) I want to choke the person like Bart was choked by Homer. Yeah. Where I'm like, dude, seriously, you're giving us nothing. I mean, if any of you have ever seen the show. Like if it was something, this would have been the time to give us anything. Absolutely. So there's a show called The IT Crowd. It's It's a funny British comedy about guys who work in an IT department in a big corporate building. And there's one scene where this very uh, grotesque person comes down looking for one of the IT departments, comes in, you know, can't even handle language and goes, where Roy? And and they're like, he's not here right now. It's like, what can I help you with? And and, and she just sits there and she goes, email. You're like, you're like oh, God, I don't want to deal with this. It's like, yeah. and it, and it, it, it's just one of those moments where. This report is just not worth writing down. It's if you can't give me the information, I don't want it. No, you're right. And I get it. It's just, it's frustrating because it just leaves an open wound and you're like, nothing was resolved. In fact, this is not helping the cause almost as well. Well, and and I would also argue that if you feel that this short little multi-sentence, it was only like five sentences or something, six sentences Bad sentences, by the way, but it's only six sentences. If this whole massive thing happened and you only have six sentences to use and this is the only information you can give me, 
that's all you give me. I really don't even think that I want to pay attention to your opinion because if this is all that you think was important to tell me, it really makes me question your judgment in general. And I assume there's no like character limit. You know, this isn't back in the day. No, I mean, this, this was the shortest entry I've seen on there. Okay. And I'm like, I. (laughs) And what was this reported? Seen and reported. Yeah, this was seen and reported. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't write down the date. I think this one was pretty recent. Okay. No, that's Um, fine. So that means like, I'm just thinking like maybe the website itself or whatever, maybe did at one point have a character limit. A lot of websites had stuff like that, but it, if it was recent, I'm sure it wasn't, that wasn't the issue. Well, yeah, I'd say that since the one that was reported in 2005 was incredibly long, my assumption oh, is right. you, you'd say that a lot of people in the recent time, I, the character limit probably wasn't an issue. And some of these would have been reported by phone. And over phone, the people would have typed them down differently. For them. Yeah. So I have a feeling this one was user submitted. <laughs> yeah. And this person's report is just, like, yeah. You know what I mean, right? Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, so those are some of the reports. I am going to research more of these, talk more about them. You can totally go <laughs> to the the website and and check them out for yourself if you're interested exciting but now it's time for the next weird part of what i'm gonna do oh my i think i want to change tracks a little bit and talk about aliens and ufos from a completely different perspective all of these stories are exciting and interesting but there's always a considerable amount of doubt with any of them there has never been incontestable proof that aliens exist or that they have been on earth And we have lots of stories and plenty are convincing to a large number of people. Like, that's absolutely true. I'm not saying they don't exist, but no one out there can say we have incontestable proof of this. They all have to be like, I believe this or I don't believe this. And that's fine. But as far as we know. But when you consider this, I think it's important for us to discuss the skeptical side because there are some very interesting concepts and theories that are really worth thinking about. If you're like me and you find the idea of just space and the universe exciting it's exciting even if we're not considering that a ufo may have been on earth it's exciting in a grander scheme of things and sometimes the most skeptical points of views kind of focus on that and so for this next bit we need to approach the idea that aliens have not visited the earth just assume for this next part that they haven't there was a movie that came out in the 90s called Contact with Jodie Foster and Matthew <laughs> McConaughey. Oh, yes. It was based on Carl Sagan's book of the same name. It's an amazing movie. I recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it. It's freaking phenomenal. It is probably the most realistic portrayal of what First Contact could be like in in a real-world scenario. There's this one scene. It's very arrivaly, like where they choose someone that might be able to, like... Communicate from, with right. an alien race, yeah. yeah. So I still remember a very specific speech in the movie or a conversation in the movie that I remember it so well. So I'm going to re I'm going to convey it to you guys. Cause I think it's important for this scene. It was between Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey's character. And Jodie Foster says there are 400 billion stars out there just in our galaxy alone. If only one out of a million of those had planets. All right. And if just one out of a million of those had life, And if just one out of a million of those had intelligent life, there would be literally millions of civilizations out there. To which Matthew McConaughey replies, well, if there wasn't, it would be an awful waste of space. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing thing because they're kind of conveying the scale of things, saying if we make it as rare as you can just imagine, there would still be... Like people say, oh, one in a million. Like that's supposed to be rare. But it's one in a million of a million of, of a million. Of a million, yeah. And even with that, there would still statistically be 
millions of civilizations <laughs> yeah. out there. This line reflects Carl Sagan's general view of life in the universe, sometimes called the principle of mediocrity. It is a theory that suggests that the specifics of planet Earth and its location in the universe is incredibly common, mundane even, and that there is nothing exceptional about our situation, which would imply that life forming on other planets would be pretty commonplace. Mm -hmm. And that's a pretty amazing thought. As wonderful as it is, many scientists and experts have their doubts. According to Wikipedia, in the summer of 1950, several famous physicists were having a conversation on their way to lunch. They were discussing recent UFO reports, as well as theories about faster-than-light travel. At some point in the conversation, Enrico Fermi allegedly asks, but where is everybody? This very question has gone down in history as the Fermi paradox. <laughs> Using Wikipedia's clean and simple explanation, the Fermi paradox says, within the Milky Way galaxy alone, there are billions of stars similar to our own sun. Statistically, it can be assumed that there would be several Earth-like planets in the habitable zone amongst these billions. Since many of these are older than our sun, intelligent life would be very likely to have developed many millions of years ago. Right. Within those millions of years, it would be likely for those civilizations to have traveled the galaxy. Yet we have zero evidence to suggest this is true. Now, there's a lot of theories that have been posed to explain why this is, and a lot of them totally allow for or encourage the existence of aliens. But it still questions why we haven't had some big major first contact, big communication with other alien species. So I know what a lot of you are probably thinking. We have had communication with aliens, and that's what all the UFO sightings were about. And I totally get you. I'm there with you. There's, there's so much evidence out there that suggests different kinds of interaction with aliens, different kinds of encounters. But just for this one theory to be talked about, I'm asking you to look at it from the perspective of what if, just what if, all of those UFO and alien sightings could somehow be explained some other way. Military tests being one, any of those manner of things. So if that's just the case, if we just say for one second that all of the UFO sightings we've seen have some sort of explanation as creepy as they may be, and we haven't had aliens here, why on earth could that have been? So I want to talk about one specific theory today, and maybe at some point in the future I can talk about the other theories, the ones that are, you know, super forward and loving of, of other galactic civilizations and all those really exciting ones, the kind that science fiction just loves because they're just so exciting. So it's like, so it's like hearing about aliens without thinking aliens in the way we've learned exactly. through media and stuff like that. Okay. Exactly. So the one I'm going to talk about is controversial, and it is known as being controversial because it sees things very differently than Carl Sagan did. And a lot of people, myself included, kind of do like the way Carl Sagan saw the universe. So I don't even know if I believe this theory myself, but I do think it's worth talking about because it is a very interesting one. And this hypothesis is known as the rare earth hypothesis. Mm. This concept was popularized in the year 2000 by Peter Ward and Donald E. Brownlee, Two professors from the University of Washington, same state with all the sightings. Nice. Convenient. <laughs> to put it simply, this hypothesis suggests that not only life, but complex multicellular organisms are the result of astrophysical and geological events that are exceedingly rare. Essentially, mm -hmm. they're saying that all of the circumstances required for life to begin and develop are so uncommon that they are essentially improbable. 
See, now this theory is trying to make me feel good about myself. I'm just so You're rare. Special. We're, I'm we're super unique. special. I like this more than the alien thing. <laughs> well, this there's a lot of ways to look at at, at life uh, and, and and our existence. Some are scientific, some are religious, some are all these things. Yeah, of course. And some make us feel very unique and special. This is mm-hmm. kind of one of them. I don't know if that's why they came up with the theory, but it definitely leaves that feeling. I mean, it's kind of cool to like just come up with like a million different th- a theory. I mean, at this point, this actually makes sense too because we have no other information really providing that they're like there's this whole civilization we don't know that the only thing that we've seen so far or from past stories and even reports that you just gave were like orbs about the neighbors how over the neighbor's house absolutely you know that's not a lot that's not necessarily a civilization and and our impact on the universe is actually one of the things that we should talk about when we talk about why this theory has problems yeah but one of the major arguments this theory makes that it was suggested by Warden Brownlee is that our analysis, and, and it's that's why it's such a recent idea in the year 2000, it wasn't something suggested 100 years ago or anything like that, mm-hmm. is that recently we've been able to, with our new telescopes and our Hubbles and our all of these amazing things that we have, we're able to see farther into the universe and analyze more and see more. So we're getting a lot more information, which is kind of changing our perspective a little bit. And so the analysis of exoplanets and the rest of the observable universe has begun to suggest that our situation is not common or typical. So exoplanets are essentially planets around other suns, other stars out there. And we've actually been able to start getting data of them. And mm. we can start telling how big they are, how close they are to their stars and everything. And what we're starting to notice is planets like Earth aren't as common as we thought they were going to be. Mm. And it's kind of shocking. In fact, the number of planets we found in the habitable zone, and the habitable zone refers to a very specific distance from the sun where radiation is low enough that it won't destroy everything on the surface, but the, but it's close enough that it's still getting the heat you need so that it's not just a frozen wasteland. That's the habitable zone, and terrestrial planets means that they're rocky and not gaseous or gaseous like uh, Jupiter and whatnot, so we kind of need all these very specific things. We're finding that either the planets are just too big, so if we landed on them, the gravity's too high, or or they're too far away, yeah, or like too nothing, close. Or, nothing fits Earth, which is yeah. our gauge, right? Exactly. Like, is that what you're saying? Yeah, okay. And so we have how many other, how many terrestrial planets do we have? We have Venus, Mercury, Mars. It's now a dwarf planet, but Pluto, and all of them are terrestrial, but they are all in very bad locations. Right. So they can't really do anything. So we're starting to notice as we're looking out, at least as close as we can with all our new technology and going, wow, we thought we might have seen a couple <laughs> more Earths than we have. And and we are still finding stuff that could possibly be there, but it still seems a little bit weird. So this is kind of their argument. And the other argument that they make is that there is something very specific about Earth in our in our solar system that isn't just our proximity to the sun or that we're a rocky planet. It's that we have a magnetic field, mm-hmm. which is essential to helping keep as much radiation from getting to the surface, which is not something all planets have. In <laughs> fact, it's not that common. But also that we have a tectonic movement. Right. We have a very our, active planet that's our alive core in a weird way. Around, and that's also not that common. Mm-hmm. And that would have helped bring things like biodiversity, but also that kind of shifting planetary surface allows different elements and whatnot to to move to the surface and everything, allowing the opportunity for all the 
building blocks of atoms and cells and molecules to find some way to get together over millions of years to start forming cells and life and everything. Once again, what we see with these exoplanets, we only have a little bit of information. We can't tell if they have a magnetic field. We and, can't tell if there's tectonic formation. What would adapt with that kind Absolutely. of atmosphere and if, if that was even going to happen. And yeah. one of the theories that totally loves, and I'll get to it on another episode, totally loves the idea of alien life but still thinks we haven't contacted mm-hmm. is just what you said. And it's the idea that there might be life out there. It just doesn't look like ours. It doesn't fit our agenda. Our- our criteria, our categories are like our basis of what we believe life exactly. means. The, yeah. the science fiction term that is loved by many writers is <laughs> silicon-based life forms. Oh, right, right, right. Weird creatures that are not carbon-based and don't require the building blocks because who says that life can't form in a different way and we just aren't used to that. And that might exist. Yeah. So, And they might not do so good on this planet. You know, if they came in, they're like, what is this, air? Yeah. I think one of the reasons I find this theory at least interesting, I once again, I don't know if I believe this theory, but when they talk about how rare it was, is I remember back when we took biology, I did it in high school, you did it into college, so you know even more than I do on this, so please correct me if I'm doing anything <laughs> wrong. But I remember that we talked about mitochondria, uh-huh. and we had to talk about everything that was inside the cell, the organelles, if you will. The mitochondria was always something that really fascinated and weirded me out because it's called, I think the common coin term was there like the power the cell. Powerhouse the powerhouse. The powerhouse. And it, it kind of gives the cell energy to do all its cell things. Mm-hmm. But the weird thing about mitochondria is it has its own DNA that is separate from the DNA carried within the nucleus of the cell. But more importantly... <laughs> Which is why it's only through the mother. Absolutely. And that's why it's, yeah. uh, it's not a you know recessive combination. You're right. Absolutely. And and yeah. so that, that whole thing, the mitochondrial Eve, how we're able to trace ourselves back to a common ancestor is all about the mitochondrial DNA. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole different can of worms. You should totally Wikipedia if you're interested. But the thing that's interesting about mitochondria is its own genome has its own genome. It's a lot more like bacteria than it is like human genome. Yeah. And so one of the big theories there is that back in the day when we still had single cell organisms, we're talking, you know, billions of years ago, that you had all these different kinds of of cellular organisms. Some were anaerobic, some did prokaryotic, all these different things that did different stuff. (laughs) And all of a sudden you have whatever the mitochondria was and whatever the cell that is what we have now that wasn't the mitochondria, somehow the mitochondria got stuck inside the other cell. It, It penetrated the wall got stuck in there, and instead of it just being this horrible thing where everything died, yeah, it like somehow worked. it worked, and it kind of was okay. And Which some- is why they say it's like a building block. It's not like... Exactly. Well, you're seeing it like as it got stuck versus it was the only reason why we exist. So it wasn't like... I see what you mean. Like, by chance, exactly. it worked out. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the assumption is... Probably cells were hitting each other and getting injected into each other. And All then this they, like, blew up. It was some, always bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had... <laughs> Billions of years, like when Earth was forming, where there was no cellular life whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, something amazing happened. And we're not even going back that far, where single-celled organisms started to exist. And those existed for billions of years. Nothing else happened. Billions of years of just these super tiny, weird life things moving around. And it took billions of years. It didn't blow up. Yeah, it took billions of years for this one accident to happen Mm -hmm. that just happened to be advantageous. We have that. And then that started leading towards, a lot of people say that could have been the beginning of how we went to multicellular life. Mm. All of a sudden, we start to imagine how many billions of years and how absolutely rare this was. And you're like, oh my God. You start to think, the idea that this isn't that common 
starts to kind of take hold and you're like, okay, I'm beginning to see the theory. And not even 100% knowing the process, obviously. Like, yeah. You know, we're like, we're pretty sure, I mean, this, this is how it would have happened because we can now take apart the DNA uh, sequence and everything and, and understand our bodies a lot better than we ever could. Absolutely. But we still don't know how it happened. <laughs> or like, but when, or like, how did this little creature like just was like, we're not going to be in the ocean anymore. Even from that like tiny little step would have been just bizarre. Bizarre. Yeah. And so when you just think about how many billions of years it took for these accidents to happen, you're like, okay, this does seem like something that isn't that common. It just, you have to roll the dice a billion times for Mm -hmm. it to actually happen. And then if we just say, let's say that happens a lot more regularly than it just feels like after we discuss that. Then the other issue we have is intelligent life. And I don't I don't mean this in, in a disrespectful way to animals. I mean like human cognitive thought, like being self-aware, that kind of intelligent life. I, I know animals are intelligent, stuff like that. I, I mean very specifically our kind of level of intelligence when you realize that as multicellular life forms have existed on Earth, mm-hmm. you know, dinosaurs, they were around for, what, 165 million years? Uh, at least. And they obviously <laughs> never developed technologies or anything like this. They were around longer than humans will ever be around. Uh-huh. And they never developed on that. And so it took this long, these many millions of years with multicellular actual animals. Very complex, like Just giant to creatures. get to the point we are now. And all of a sudden, it starts to overwhelm you with, oh, wow, this does start to feel pretty rare. And so you think to yourself, what if life is common, but does that mean intelligent life is common? Right. And so that's kind of the main theory that's going on here is the idea is that what if the reason we haven't run into people is we are kind of alone. Yeah. And that's a very, yes, it makes us special. It also <laughs> makes me more worried about what we're doing to the earth because what if we're like the only ones and yeah. we're getting rid of our There's only- There's nowhere, we can't go anywhere. Getting rid of our only home. But it also makes me feel very lonely. Yeah, I can see that. And so I can say that, you know, I appreciate all you guys taking a moment to think for a second, what if aliens have never been here and what if we have had no contact, what one of the theories is. And it's a very lonely theory. And I think there's arguments to suggest why it could be true. I don't think I believe it, but I do think that it's something that's very interesting. And I do think it bleeds into things that are going to be talked about in other theories that I talk about mm-hmm. in future episodes. But one of the other things is, let's take that we are an intelligent life form, and let's just say there's a lot of other good intelligent life forms out there for sure. We've only been able to get into space for what? 50 years? I mean, living creature. So like Sputnik went up in the fifties. So oh, I see. Uh, I can't remember when Yuri Gagarin, the first human in space, the Russian cosmonaut, I can't, I off the top of my head, I can't remember. I want to say it was the early sixties, but it might've been the late fifties. But so we're talking like 65 years or so in, in that range. And we still haven't gone beyond the moon. And let's be honest. Well, like human, we mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Humans have not yeah. And your average American goes on a road trip longer than anyone's been on the moon. Yeah. So it hasn't been for a very long time. So I don't think it's weird and out of out of reach to think that if there are millions and millions of alien civilizations out there, to think that quite a few of them are just like us and just haven't gotten to the point where they can communicate with us yet. Yeah. Our best forms of communication are radio signals that we've sent out. 
mm-hmm. that by chance, if that civilization communicates with radio or has discovered radio, may or may not find. Right. But we have the Voyager spacecraft, which just exited the solar system and was launched <laughs> in the 70s. And that may wind up somewhere in millions of years. Yeah. Maybe. It's like, well, see what if happens. If someone finds this tiny little speck floating through space. Yeah. So I do think, as someone who I do believe that there are aliens out there, the big question, the question that we talk about in our stories here, the fun ones, the exciting ones, the scary ones, are if they are out there, have they come here? And have they tried to stick things up our butt? <laughs> the moral of the story here. But I do think it's in- interesting to think about the other ideas, just like, what if we really are alone? And to me, in a way, that's one of the scarier ideas. Interesting. That if we're the only yeah. one there. I have, I have pondered such things. I appreciate your guys' patience with me for this really weird theory, but I do think it's a scary one. But I will admit, I do think it's more exciting to think that some of the weird things we've seen in the sky really are aliens. So maybe who, they're maybe they're just sent probes, just like we did, but they did it way better. Well, and some of those theories suggest that oh man, there's so many theories to get into. One has to do with they are way more advanced than us, and they're purposefully not trying to contact us. That's what the whole movie Contact <laughs> talks about. Oh, that's right. They're like we don't. Yeah, that hits a huge theory. And these are all theories I'd like to talk about because all the other ones say aliens do exist. And, you know, even if they're trying to avoid us, maybe some drunk teenage aliens have decided to come pick up some humans and funny things like that. put it in their butt. (laughs) But anyway, so that's what I want to talk about today. I know it's really weird and off topic. And if you didn't like it, you guys tell me you didn't like it. I said that at the beginning. Send me an email. I loved it. And I don't think, I don't think there's anything wrong to like kind of ponder something a little too real. I mean, you know, we get lost in our own little world here at Hair of the Werewolf and talk about like the crazy and, you know, the the, the supernatural and the paranormal and, and other realms and like UFOs and things that are, you know, even space travel that we are theorizing that we just accept UFOs are real. So we're like, if they were real, maybe they were time travelers. Like we go, we go pretty bizarre. Absolutely. And... I don't know. This one really made me kind of scared in a different way. Well, and <laughs> this theory actually has. There's a bunch of ufologists who actually devoutly follow this. Yeah. And they believe in UFOs. They believe in the rare earth hypothesis because their theory, something we've talked about for, is that UFOs are humans from the future. Right. They're like, we're just so, it's just so not possible that there's anything else. It's well, got to be us. And their argument is the reason they're coming back is something's wrong in the future and they need shit from this time. Oh, no. Meaning genetic. They need to find genetic sequences from particular people who've who their genetic lineages have come on or they need to find Mm. out what was happening when certain nuclear bombs were detonated they come back to before nuclear bombs because they need to get some sort of reading because you you know a lot about how things have been contaminated ever since there's been nuclear. yeah it's it's so there are ufologists who do believe this because ufos aren't aliens they're us from the future which is kind of aliens but not aliens. which is almost like you believed in the theory so much that the only way that these things could have existed is because it's us but I like how they didn't even dismiss the UFOs anymore. <laughs> they were like, no, no, they're out there. It's just us. Hey, like I said, I don't know if all the UFOs we're seeing are aliens, but I do believe we're seeing stuff, and I do believe there's UFOs out there. Yeah. I just don't know what they are. And that's what we cover here. <laughs> I love it. That was nice. Informatively creepy. Just like my building uh, that I mentioned earlier, the Clark Base Air Force I won't go there, and not because of the ghost, but because it's dilapidated. And this one scared me, not because of the UFOs, but because we're alone. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're alone.
So that that's my story for the day. And now everyone who's been listening, if you don't want any spoilers for the Note movie, now is the perfect time to just go ahead and end it, and we'll see you guys next episode. Yay. If you're here and you want to hear more about it, it's not going to be like super spoiler heavy, but we are going to talk about moments in the movie. So take that as you will. So I'm going to wait like five seconds so that you can reach Ooh. it in your car, or if you're doing yoga, you can run over and turn off the speakers. So if you're doing yoga. <laughs> one, 1,000, two, 1,000, <gasps> oh three, 1,000. Get your pants four, on, 1, hurry. <laughs> five, 1,000. All right, here we go. Oh my gosh. So I just wanted to say straight up that Jordan Peele, he's only directed three movies and all his movies have a very specific style and get out. I still think is his best movie. I love this movie, but I think Mm -hmm. get out is just, it's so brilliantly done in every single way. And so if you liked that movie, there's a good chance you're going to really like this one because at least stylistically, the way he paces, the way he deals with human interactions and everything are just on point and really good. Yeah. Even if you're not interested in the subject matter of UFOs and stuff. And that's not a spoiler. Not only did every trailer show (laughs) UFOs, but it's something that is just directly placed to you within the first few minutes of the movie. This is not a movie that's trying to find out if UFOs exist. It's not a twist. It's not a show. They tell you they exist right at the beginning. Right. So... So that's not what the movie's about. And in fact, I would say that was one of its strongest features. So many movies about UFOs, you know, things like the fourth kind and whatnot, they're always playing with the idea of, are they existing? Are they not existing? Are, is the person crazy? Is, is, are we actually seeing stuff? The whole movie's about trying to find out if UFOs always exist. almost turns into like a psychological thriller. Exactly. Where you're like, oh, okay, I guess we're not being attacked or maybe we don't believe them. Yeah, yeah you're and right. there's, there's nothing wrong with that, but it is a trope, meaning it's common. So it's kind of refreshing to see a movie. It's like, no, 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 UFOs exist. We're mm-hmm. going to make a movie where you just go with that. <laughs> and that, I think, was its strongest feature because I think it makes it one of the more unique UFO movies I've seen. Yeah. It, it, kind of in the same line as Arrival, but they're very different movies. <laughs> oh, very. Absolutely. Um, they're scary for different reasons. And I'd actually say that Nope has a lot of humor in it, but I wouldn't say it's a comedy. Jordan Peele has a really good, subtle form it's of humor. It's like, if it was any humorous, it was kind of dark and almost ironic. You're like, oh my gosh. I you mean, know? let's just say the title is not coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the movie was really well done. The actors they got are absolutely amazing. There's just some scenes that still are burned in my brain today. Exactly. Including one of the opening scenes where a lot of stuff falls from the sky. Like coins and keys and stuff. And I'm not going to tell more about that scene, but I think that was my favorite scene in the movie because it was, it it kind of established the tone of the movie where it's like, get ready for something very weird. (laughs) Right. And that is true. Like we never hear aliens throwing things at us or like, (laughs) or they're like, why is there stuff falling from the sky? Usually it's stuff running away from us or something like that or taking away things like, our cows, you know. And this was a movie that definitely played with the idea of how weird it would be. And mm-hmm. that's actually kind of a theme in the movie that they established with some of the other stuff you talked about earlier in the at the beginning of the episode that they've kind of got these simultaneous stories that they're kind of telling. Right. And one of the big things kind of has to do with this idea of they remind you this is alien. Like mm-hmm. it's not going to be normal. Right. And that's why it works so well in and the so movie. And so just believing what even stories that we would have told in this podcast or any any like movie that would have pre preceded nope it wouldn't have followed the rules yeah. or like and and it wasn't something that you should have either it was like why is it here yeah and it was and it was scary so can i make a guess that your favorite scene and once again to avoid deep mm. spoilers or anything was it the scene at night in the barn with the light going on and off Okay. Uh, to not say anything else, because I think for people who want to see the movie, that's too much of a spoiler. 
it's, to say anything more than that. It's top. It's top. Sure. Well, then, then what is contending? Tell me. I don't. Okay, so there's a few. I would say like, okay, that was so classically what I was. I would uh-huh. expect in a movie uh-huh. that it was, it was like the scene. Yeah, but I'm so also terrified of aliens that it hit it hit me hard. So like it, it was yeah, like it wouldn't have been like oh another possession, you know, nothing like that for me. I would have been like oh this is classic, but this is classic and also probably not scary for other people, but for me it was, and that's why I really liked it. Now with the other parts, it's the new information that we get that I never ever thought a UFO would be. Oh yeah. Yeah. That to me was new. And I was like, okay, well come on. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the, the, I, I, it's just the whole movie. Like it's so hard to pick a scene because there's a lot of memorable. Ones. There was, well, they were all just kind of related to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was a, it was a, a, in my opinion, a pretty complex jumble of information that you can't like something without liking something earlier because they're connected. Yeah. I don't Absolutely. know if that makes sense. No, I completely agree. And I, and I, <laughs> we're not giving any spoilers, which is really hard to talk about it without sounding like an insane person. Yeah. And, and, uh, but I do think one thing we can talk about without giving away spoilers, but people yeah. who have seen it and are listening to this right now is the ending. Yeah. So when we were driving back from the theater, a conversation about the ending came up. Now I adored the ending, the route it took, the way it tried to do the ending. I, it worked for me, everything about it. I felt very satisfied with the end. Yeah. Whereas our friend Lisa, uh, she had some very valid criticisms about things that she wasn't crazy about that came with the ending where she said it didn't work for her. And I'm imagining that the audience is probably pretty split on that. And so for like anyone who doesn't know what this movie might be about, basically there's a UFO and for whatever reason, it's very involved in this very, very tiny nothing (sighs) town or rather a it's few like some ranches. It it's kind not of even feels, a town. I wouldn't say a town. It's just like outs it's like the outskirts of a town where there's just some farms. Yeah, it's or far like, out in LA. Like out of LA, but yeah, yeah near yeah, enough to Hollywood. Exactly. And yeah, hundred percent. Like that's what it is. And so it's in the desert and there's this UFO that just is has every once in a while been appearing and they're starting to find out they're starting to see it. They're starting to finally see it, but there was obviously like this kind of notion that it might have always been there. But now it's, like, aggressive in some way. We know it's at least been there for over six months. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah. And 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 it's just progressively, the situation is getting worse. Yeah. Like we said, this isn't a movie that says, wonders whether or not UFOs exist. This is more of a movie about them trying to prove to the world. To prove to the world and why is it so pissed? Like, why why is it, like, now doing what it's doing? And I would say that along with the movie Arrival... The, the movie with Amy Adams and mm-hmm. Jeremy Renner, not the 90s movie with Charlie Sheen, The Arrival. Oh, right. Which is also about aliens, but that was not a good movie. I've um, never saw that one. I got to show it to you so you at least understand what I'm talking about. You're going to hate it. <laughs> oh, good. Um, probably some of the most unique representations of non-human life mm-hmm. I've ever seen. And at the very least, whether or not you like the movie, hopefully it'll at least inspire you to wonder. But I will say that whether or not the movie's a scary movie is up for debate. Do you think it's a scary movie? Um, I I would say like the first half for me was scary. And then it becomes a 
thriller a thrill a thriller suspense you're still very engaged because you actually care about these characters you're wondering how it's going to end you're wondering what this thing is like it it, it still grabs you but i wouldn't say i was scared it's not i agree your traditional it's not like fire in the sky scary yeah um which i don't know how many people think that's scary but i think (laughs) it's scary and so this was just a really well-made movie and i and i loved it Yeah. yeah i'd say it's a suspense movie with some very scary moments yeah they're disturbing moments right there's a lot of disturbing moments which i think are yeah and they really don't important. they don't really do jump scares either which is so good i don't like jump scares yeah uh, just because i think they feel lazy well i think that at first they kind of did a few but they were supposed to be funny well and like, one of them was they did this one funny jump scare this isn't plot relevant where you see the person <laughs> coming up behind him and the person yeah. in the foreground is just not paying attention so you know they're coming there and they just come and say like hey what's up and it scares the hell out of the person so and then you it scares see a you character get a jump scare but it was totally presented to you like this is going right. to happen like you're not and and it worked and i think it was kind of them making fun of jump scares yeah it was really good agreed and i liked it but i would say i recommend it to everyone oh and and one other thing that people are wondering is should you see it in theaters or not I would say the visual effects are so good. Yeah. And there's a lot of spectacle here. This movie is really good to see on the big screen. I think the audio is important. Oh, audio well. is So if you, too. you know, want that whole like surround sound, big giant screen, obviously the theater. Um, but I do think the, the audio is very important to this movie as well. Very so much. I give it an enthusiastic thumbs up from me. Yes, me too. So two thumbs up. From the hair of the werewolf people <laughs> that most of you have never met. So our opinion shouldn't matter, but we're telling you to this go see it. This is the only opinion that matters. We need more <laughs> We need more UFO movies, especially good ones like this. Agreed. So we hope if you have a chance to see it that you also enjoy it and we didn't just send you to something you can't stand. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I think that brings our episode to a close. Yes, I think so. Thank you guys for joining us. And I hope some of you were pleasantly creeped out by the stories this week, or at least had to think about some stuff for a little bit. <laughs> If you have any comments, questions, personal scary stories, or you want to judge us, just tell us uh, by dropping us a line uh, at H. I want to say, don't judge me. I can't handle it. <laughs> so drop us a line at hotwpodcast at gmail.com. For those of you listening to us at work or while driving, we hope you have a great day. And for those of you that are drinking, we hope your tomorrow isn't too rough. And if you are listening to us because you had too much fun last night and you are suffering today, don't worry because the best cure for a hangover is fear. Bye. See ya.